0: You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we're talking to Aaron Hockley of TechPhotoGuy.com about how he utilizes OmniFocus for his photography business. Well, hi everybody, today we are with Aaron Hockley of techphotoguy.com, and that's a place where he explores the intersection of photography and technology. And just listen to a little bit of this. He's earned recognition through the Professional Photographers of America as a master photographer and photographic craftsman. In 2014, he was recognized for third place in the commercial illustrative category at the PPA Grand Imaging Awards. And then he went on to represent the US as a finalist in the World Photographic Cup. And in 2017, and uh, if I'm allowed to say so, again in 2020, (laughs) the president of the uh, Oregon Professional Photographers Association uh, and has continued to serve on the board ever since then. So, Aaron, thank you so much for spending some time with us today here on the Omni Show.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad I get the chance to uh, chat with you. I'm a big fan of OmniFocus, and it's certainly one of the keys to how I keep my various aspects of my life together. So I look forward to chatting about that.
0: Uh, Me too. And I I can't wait to get uh, into those details, but uh, maybe for some context, talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, what kind of photography you do and uh, maybe how you got involved with that.
1: Right. Thanks. So I'm kind of interesting in that, unlike a lot of photographers, I didn't necessarily start carrying a camera around at the age 10 and making a, a zillion photos as a kid, I had some exposure to photography, but it wasn't a big thing in my world. I wasn't involved in photography in high school. I really didn't get into it until after I was out of high school and, you know, those few years in my, you know, late teens, early 20s, I started picking up photography as a hobby and then started to just take pictures of what was around me. My professional background was in the tech world and in software development, and so I had various IT and technology-related jobs. In the late 90s, I was a webmaster at a regional internet service provider back when, back when webmasters existed and back when regional internet service providers existed. And as I was participating in various technology events in the tech community in the Portland, Oregon area, you know, I started bringing my camera with me and I'd capture some photos at events and things like that. And at some point people started saying, Hey, it looks like you're going to be coming to this event. You know, can you bring your camera with you? I'd been sharing my work online through my website and through Flickr and places like that. And at the point where they were asking me to come take photos, I realized, hey, if they're asking me to come take photos, let's see if they'll pay me some money to come take photos. And so that was kind of my entry into the professional photography world. That was probably in about 2008 is when I officially got a business license and started charging people money for photography. And since then, my photo world has kind of evolved that professionally. I do a couple different types of photography. One is special events other than weddings, so conferences, trade shows, startup lunch parties, company meetings, anything like that. Uh, That's an area of my business that has changed drastically in these last few months with the pandemic and with in-person events pretty much going away. The other area that I work professionally is kind of in being a jack-of-all-trades photographer for small businesses and startups. So in that realm, I'll do anything from a business portrait, a headshot, to photos of an office, product photography sometimes. You know, a lot of startups like to show their cool spaces and what they're working on. So I've worked with a lot of the uh, tech and other startups here in the Portland area to help them tell their stories. Along the way, with my tech background, I got into blogging pretty early on, and things have kind of evolved that in the tech world, I got known as a photo guy, and in the photo world, I got known as a tech guy and helping both of those different groups with those areas respectively so you know i've i've spoken at you know a few large like blogging and social media conferences several years ago to help those audiences figure out photography related topics um in the photography world i speak to photographers helping them figure out internet related topics whether it's you know how to have a good online presence with their blog or with social media or things like that and so tech photo guy really is kind of the merging of those two worlds where I'm looking at that intersection of technology and photography, looking at what that means for the photo industry going forward, because like it or not, I think we can all agree that computers are here to stay. The internet isn't just a fad. And if someone's going to be successful in the photography world, they're going to have to understand various technological things or work with people that do. So, so yeah, that's kind of my background.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. I definitely want to get into how you utilize OmniFocus to get all of this stuff done related to your business. But before we head there, you said something that just kind of triggered an interesting thought in me about how there really is this left brain, right brain kind of merging together whenever somebody has the creative part of their business, but also the admin side of their business. Can you maybe speak to that intersection a little bit?
1: Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I mean, it's interesting just even if we just look at the photography world, usually people come into photography from one of two angles. Either they're strong on the technical side of it, they understand shutter speeds and f-stops and how mathematically those things relate to make a properly exposed photograph. Or they come into it more from kind of the artistic and the aesthetic side where they maybe they kind of naturally have a really good eye for composition or they have a good sense of picking out something in the natural world where the colors or the light tones naturally make a a visually pleasing pattern. And for most photographers, they're stronger naturally in one of these areas than the other. And then they, if they're smart, they try to strengthen their, their abilities in the other area. For me, I came into it and, you know, maybe my tech background has something to do with this. I came into it being strong. Technically, I can totally understand how, you know, a lighting ratio works in an image or, you know, if I double my shutter speed, what do I need to adjust to compensate for that with my aperture size or things like that? And so for me, it was a case of needing to maybe learn more of the artistic aspects of the business and of the industry. And what happens, what I found is for a lot of photographers, you know, again, when they want to be successful with their business, as they start looking at things like, okay, well, I need to have a website of some sort. I need to figure out how do I use social media to share my images, not just for the purpose of getting a bunch of likes or hearts from my friends, but if I'm looking at this as a business, how do I do this so that it's, successful from a business standpoint of getting my work in front of the types of clients that I want to attract. And, you know, there's a little bit of art to that. And there's a little bit of technology to that. And again, not every photographer needs to be a web developer, a web designer, right? There's a lot of great web platforms that people can use without having a ton of technical knowledge. And so I kind of help with those photographers that, you know, are maybe a little bit afraid of the technology or have just realized that's not an area they want to focus on help get them connected with either platforms or with people that can help them out in that area.
0: Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Talk to me a little bit about OmniFocus. So you utilize this in the operation of your photography business, possibly even personally. Uh, Maybe fly over at a high level what it is that OmniFocus allows you to do.
1: So I came into OmniFocus, I don't, I should have gone back and figured out when I started using it, but I've been using it for a long time. And really what I found is that with a lot of different things going on in my life, not just professionally, but also personally. So, I mean, you know, professionally, I have photography business working with clients. You know, I have the tech photo guy ventures where I, you know, work with other photographers. I'm currently writing a book. I, as you alluded to in the introduction, as we record this, it's been less than 24 hours since I was voted to be president of the Oregon Professional Photographers Association to pick that up as an interim role after their previous president resigned fairly abruptly last week. So all of these different things are on my plate, you know, not to mention personal obligations. You know, I'm I'm married, I have a couple of kids, you know, I'm interested in other hobbies and things like that. And Omnifocus really kind of helps me organize all of the different things that I have going on and helps me kind of have a vision into what's important right now. And that, I think, is one of the things that I've really found powerful is through the use of some of OmniFocus's features such as, you know, defer dates and custom perspectives is I can look at what's out there in different ways and figure out what do I need to be paying attention to right now and in the next few days as opposed to what's going to become important in a month or a year.
0: That actually fits really nicely where I wanted to head next with that blog post. There's a blog post that you've written in 2016, right when OmniFocus was fresh, but it has so much relevant information in it. It's so comprehensive and so applicable to us today still.
1: Right. Yeah. And I did actually just update that blog post yesterday. So I probably should have given you a heads up about that. But Substantially, my use has been very similar. Although OmniFocus has evolved with new features over the years, a lot of how I use it, the concepts are very much the same. I mean, some of the details of maybe how I do template projects and things like that have evolved. But yeah, I did write a blog post about, you know, OmniFocus as a photographer. And, you know, I think probably some of the big areas that I kind of call out as strengths for me as a photographer are that As I work with different clients, somebody calls me up. For example, recently I did some business portraits for an insurance firm here in my hometown. So as somebody contacted me, we're going to set up this portrait shoot. They needed uh, new photos of six of their employees. And so, you know, in advance of the photo shoot, it's things like, okay, well, I need to get a contract in place. I need to invoice them. I need to pay attention to knowing when that payment arrives. I need to get my gear ready for the shoot. I need to make sure I get batteries charged, you know, depending on the type of job, you know, there's a possibility I may need to rent some gear, you know, and then I go and do the, the photo shoot. But then after the photo shoot, I need to back up the images. I need to keep track of where I'm at in kind of the editing and retouching process and then eventually delivering those images to the client. And it's one of those things where um, each job is a little bit unique, but they all follow substantially the same pattern. And so I can use OmniFocus to help me kind of keep track of where I'm at throughout that process in working with you know multiple clients at a time. The client stuff is one side of my use of OmniFocus and keeping track of my tasks as a photographer. But I also rely on OmniFocus to kind of help me keep track of the other stuff that I need to do to run my business. And a lot of this isn't even photography specific. It's things like, routine business accounting or bookkeeping tasks. It can be things like maintaining my professional network, right? You know, I'm out there on a lot of different social media platforms, some of which I use more actively than others, but I want to make sure that, you know, for example, that I go check in on LinkedIn occasionally and that I make sure my profile's up to date and respond to anything I need to respond to there. Or You know, I also find that uh, one of the things I use OmniFocus for is I use it to kind of help me keep track of staying in touch with my professional network in that I have single action projects in OmniFocus that are essentially just lists of names. And it might be people that I want to periodically contact with in my local community. It might be people that are elsewhere in the photography industry, colleagues and such. And I will just have their name as a task in that single action list project. And I'll set that task to essentially repeat every number of weeks, months, whatever that I want to stay in contact with that person. And it's something that I, you know, I have a custom perspective that just kind of shows me all my upcoming, you know, networking tasks. And it's a good flag to reach out to somebody who I maybe otherwise haven't come in contact with a while. But I want to maintain that professional relationship with is, you know, see what they've been up to, see what's on their social media send them a quick note to check in on things or set up a call or something like that. So,
0: Hmm. I love this idea of pattern recognition. For whatever reason, that just (laughs) speaks to me. It's been a reoccurring theme in our last couple of uh, episodes whenever somebody touches on OmniFocus and templates. Uh, And and I, I guess it's because I feel like that is the difference sometimes between an amateur and a professional. The professional knows what the commitments are, executes on them with precision. And there's, there's that pattern recognition, that, that scaffolding that's built out in their lives. Can you talk to the person that recognizes the need for that sort of structure, but is just like, <laughs> okay, where do I head next?
1: Right. Where do you start? Um, one of the things that I find that's interesting is I talk to somebody about OmniFocus, um, or as I talk to somebody about just productivity and getting things done in general, getting things done in the in the lowercase sense, not necessarily the GTD system, but people that will look at, it's like, oh, well, you've got a family, you've got your business, you're involved with this organization, you're, you're involved in this other volunteer community and all that. You know, how do you manage it all? And one of the things I often say is like, well, Honestly, being able to manage all of these areas of my life, it does require investing a little bit of time and energy in doing that management. And I feel like this is one of the perhaps barriers to entry for somebody who is looking at trying to implement any sort of a task management or personal management system is that a lot of times people just aren't willing to put any work into that. And I'm certainly not in a case where I'm spending five hours a week managing my tasks, because at that point it would be, I'd probably spending more time there than I really should. But with something like OmniFocus or another task management productivity system, you do need to spend a little bit of time thinking about your work, thinking about the types of work that you do. How do you want that laid out? How often do you want to do that? And so looking at that, I figured out, oh, these are the sorts of things that I want to do on a repeating or periodic basis, or these are the sorts of things where I always do these same things over and over again. So again, like with a client photo shoot, there's no reason for me to go in and manually create 15 different tasks for a client photo shoot, because it's probably the same 15 tasks I had last time that I did a business headshot shoot. Or... One of the things I photographed fairly frequently before everything shut down was road races, marathons, 10Ks, things like that. And, you know, if I'm going to go photograph a half marathon, it's basically the same set of steps of getting the exact same gear ready. And then after I'm done doing the exact same things with the files and uploading them to the systems that I need to do. And so I figured out I can put together a template for this. I can outline what are the usual steps. OmniFocus, for better or for worse, one of the good things I think about it is that it's very flexible. And I often describe OmniFocus as a toolkit that people can use to build the productivity system that works for them. (laughs) It's a little bit opinionated. Obviously, if you're following the GTD methodology, there's a lot of things that fall very neatly into place. But even if you're not, you can kind of use it in a way that suits you well. And so the way that I'm currently doing templates is um, I maintain templates essentially in the task paper format, which is a very human readable format for tasks. You can outline projects, you can outline subtasks, you can put in things like due dates or defer dates. And I keep those templates, personally, I keep them in Ulysses. You could also keep them in drafts or any number of other text editor-type applications. And I primarily manage those templates through shortcuts on iOS. So when I have a new client shoot, for example, I'll run a shortcut, and it'll ask me, what's the name of the client? What day is the shoot going to happen on? And then it will go in, and it'll build out a set of tasks where it'll can do math based on those dates, right? And so it can say, oh, well, I need to pack the gear the day before the photo shoot generally. And so it creates a set of tasks for getting the gear ready the day before, or creates a set of tasks for the post-processing and the editing and the delivery that starts after the photo shoot or things like that. And so I have all of that information in OmniFocus, but... Because it has those dates attached to it, I can then look at it in OmniFocus where OmniFocus is only showing me what's relevant to me right now. I don't have to worry about what's happening in the future
0: that is so helpful because it's that structure, that scaffolding, you know, we're in that center, that eye of the storm and it, you know, you can start to run faster cycles because you don't have to rethink every single project. Uh, but then, you know, there's also that element of receiving the inputs and the capture points that come into your life appropriately and not over under reacting, you know, you really are that eye of the storm. And then, you know, something comes along like uh, COVID that just blows you know, your your existing pattern structure out of the water. How do you reshape that?
1: Right. Yeah. The the last, I mean, I guess it's been, what, four or five months at this point where we've been in COVID lockdown and response and things like that. I live in the United States. So unlike some areas of the world, we're not fully reopened back yet. Um, and in March, it was kind of interesting that I photographed a big conference here in Portland for a, a national organization. And it was that first week of March. And at the conference, it was probably kind of one of the last big events that we had. People were a little getting a little wary of handshakes, but we were still able to have a, a conference with about 600 people in a hotel ballroom. And, you know, over the course of three days, I photographed that conference. And as I was delivering those images to the client in the next week or so was basically when everything went into lockdown. And as somebody whose business involved a lot of event photography, whether it's a big event like that sort of a conference, or whether it's even a could even be a smaller event. It could be a company that's just having a happy hour mixer meetup type thing, but they wanted some photos of it. That aspect of my business kind of went away. (laughs) And so I've shifted things in that, you know, I haven't photographed an event since the beginning of March. And the reality is I don't know when the next time I will do that will be, but other areas of my business have been able to continue. So I'm at this point, I can do portrait shoots as long as we're doing those in a, you know, in a safe way and with limited number of people and things like that. Um, You know, I've also continued to work on some of the like consulting business that I do. I had a consulting call just yesterday with another photographer who I've been working on as far as kind of building out his online presence and figuring out how we can effectively market that. And so in the past, some of those might have been, let's meet up at a coffee shop and go over this, or let's get together in person. Well, now a lot of them are their online calls instead. And so things like that have shifted a little bit, but I've been able to kind of continue that aspects of my business as well.
0: That's fantastic that that slice of the business can continue and, you know, speaking of slices, I am curious about how do you utilize perspectives? Because everybody likes to see different data points. You mentioned a custom perspective there. So uh, talk to me about what happens for you and perspectives in OmniFocus.
1: Yeah, so probably probably the main perspective that I look at, you know, there's really two that I look at probably every day, I would say, pretty regularly. So one It's called critical, (laughs) Um, which perhaps makes it sound a little more urgent than it really is. It's not necessarily things that are on fire, but it's basically show me tasks that are available that are either due soon, so due today, essentially, or that I have flagged in OmniFocus. And I'll use a flag in OmniFocus if just there's something that's kind of high priority that I want to put some attention on. And so this will show me tasks that I need to do soon, right? Like if nothing else happens, this is what I should really focus my attention on. I'll check in on that perspective in the morning, but usually at least once else throughout the day. The other perspective that I spend a lot of time looking at is is really just kind of a what's on your plate perspective. And it makes heavy use of defer dates. I'm a big fan of using a defer date. I think that defer dates are really one of the powerful OmniFocus features that. I can't believe more task management systems don't have. (laughs) Um, Because every time I hear about people using all these other systems, I mean, I'm curious, I'm a nerd, I'll go take a look at it. But like I go look at it, it's like, how do you not have any concept of a defer date or a start date? Because I have a lot of tasks that are in there. It's like, oh, I can do this. I can do this when I get around to it, but I can't do it until a certain date, or I don't want to do it until a certain date, right? I mean, networking tasks to reach out to people. It's like, well, I'm not going to reach out and network with somebody every week necessarily if they're just an industry colleague from across the country, but maybe I want to check in with them once a month or every two months. This other perspective that I use really is just kind of a list of across across all of my, my areas of responsibility, my areas of interest, across all my different projects, what's available to work on. And from there, I mean, that... That list could be any number. I mean, it could be things like, oh, I want to get up on my roof and clean the gutters out before we get into the rainy season again. Or it could be something like, oh, there's a promotion coming up for a service that I'm an affiliate partner with. And I want to make sure that I let all the photographers on my email list know that, hey, there's this offer you might want to take advantage of. Or with uh, with taking on new responsibilities here in the last couple of days as the president of the photography association i'm gradually building out lists of tasks that i need to do there i mean both operational type things of oh we need to we need to go get the gavel from the president who resigned kind of a thing but also longer term pictures of like what's the financial picture of the organization right now what are the events that have been planned and how's that going and things like that and so i really find that i have A ton of information in OmniFocus. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tasks, probably. At one point, I had an Apple script, I think, that did a total count. I don't think I have that installed anymore, but it would be interesting to know. But I have all this information that's out there, but I mean, with the different projects, with defer dates, I'm able to put those into a perspective where I kind of only see what I care about right now.
0: Aaron, I so appreciate you opening kind of the inner workings of your system. I think it's instructive for other people. and, And to that end, what have some of the bumps along the road been for you? What has been maybe one of the most difficult things that you've encountered when structuring your system?
1: I would say probably the hardest lesson that I've had to learn is being realistic about how much I can do, <laughs> <laughs> which is not particularly an omnifocus problem specifically. And it's something that I've heard other people amongst the productivity nerd community talk about. I know I've heard David Sparks, you know, Max Sparky refer to this on his podcasts at times. But just looking at what you have to do and realistically knowing what your capacity is to do that, right? I'm not going to sit down if I have an hour and send, you know, 45 emails and check in on five social networks. So I really shouldn't think that that's going to happen. I think taking a realistic look at what is my capacity, but then also using OmniFocus to shift things away from my view that don't need to be there right now. So I can look at either through custom perspectives or through the forecast view and OmniFocus, I can look at, hey, what's coming up that's due? What's on my calendar? What are the tasks that are on my plate? And if I get to a place where it's like, wow, I have a ton of stuff that I need to do on Friday. Well, if I can look at that and realize that on Tuesday or Wednesday, I can start shifting some things around, or I can start changing expectations around that. Maybe there was something that I told someone I was going to get them by the end of the week, but if I can realize on Tuesday that, hey, Friday is going to be slammed, that may not happen, I can head that off and, and kind of shift that attention. I think that's probably been the hardest part is not taking on more than I can do. (laughs) And I think the biggest way to kind of get past that is just having an honest conversation with myself about realistically what is the capacity, but then also using the ability in OmniFocus to really look at what's coming up and then shift things around and not feel bad that you didn't get to everything that you said. I mean, I think one of the areas where a lot of people get into problems with task management systems is they assign arbitrary due dates that aren't really due dates. I think a lot of people do this in some cases because a lot of task management systems, that's the only way to associate a date with a task. But in my, you know, in the way that I use OmniFocus, if there's a due date on something, it's because it absolutely has to be done by that date for, you know, generally it's some external reason. It's because I've made a commitment to somebody that I'm going to have it done on that date. It's because it's an external deadline of, the contract says I have to make this decision by that date, it's due on that date or I owe more money, whatever it is. A due date really is a hard due date. And for all those things that are more just like, oh, well, I would like to get to that on Thursday, or I would like to get to that on Sunday. That's what I use the defer date and the, or the start date for. I play a lot more fast and loose with those dates where it's like, oh, I'd like to get to it on Sunday, but if Sunday comes around and Turns out that's not really something that's important right now. Maybe I'll defer that to Monday or even next Sunday or, you know, just push that out into the future. And then I think one of the other things I've learned is at some point, if I've got a task that I keep deferring and keep deferring and keep deferring, I have to realistically look at, is this a task I'm going to do? Should I even have this scheduled at all? Should I drop it entirely or should it maybe just go sit on a someday maybe list for future consideration.
0: <laughs> okay. I can absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I, I sometimes tend to be the visionary crazy maker and think, oh, I could do this and I could do that and I could do all those things. And you do the, the quick capture so you don't really see the results of what's happening with your ideas in your inbox until you go later on to process your inbox and you're like... Oh, uh, there's no way I can do all of this. It's like that past version of yourself is playing secretary, just feeding the things that you thought you could do anytime back to you, saying, okay, when is this really going to happen if it's going to happen at all? Right. Yeah. And one of the things, you
1: know, and this comes strictly from the GTD system, but having the ability to do a periodic review of my tasks is key to keeping on top of that. It's referred to as the weekly review in GTD, and that's what OmniFocus will do by default with new projects. But I appreciate that OmniFocus also lets you change that interval. And so for my client-facing projects, for things I'm really actively working on, have a lot of things going on, yes, I'll review those weekly. But I also have projects that are things that I perhaps review less often. So like I have a someday maybe list in the GTD realm where it's eh, things I might want to do someday. I don't actually review that every week. I think that's reviewed every couple of weeks. I have other projects that I have a project that lists basically kind of routine accounting and legal maintenance tasks for my business. And those tasks happen periodically but the project itself doesn't really need to be reviewed that often because it's pretty rare that I'm adding or removing entirely new tasks from that list. And so I think I only review that project basically once a month. And so the review process in OmniFocus makes it easy to see, hey, what needs review? It used to be that the iPad was my favorite interface for doing the review. And I still do that a fair amount because it's easy to just, and that's something that i often find i can do kind of while i'm multitasking with something else maybe kind of brainless maybe i'm watching a tv show or listening to a podcast or a youtube video or something but it's a great interface that lets me again kind of take a look at things and it's a good option to either trigger stuff that should be in omnifocus out of my brain but also to look at what do i have listed there that again is this realistic because if there's something that i'm not ever going to do there's no reason in carrying that kind of digital baggage around in my task system for it.
0: Well, I am excited about hearing that your blog post is being or has been updated, but uh, do you mind giving us a preview as to do you utilize scripting at all? Is there anything that you do to kind of automate things for yourself?
1: Yeah, so I haven't yet had a chance to dive into the new Omni automation stuff that's been released, the JavaScript framework that now works across all of the Omni apps as I understand it. It's something that's kind of on my list of I should look at this when I have some spare cycles. To the extent that I'm doing any sort of real automation with Omnifocus at this point, it's primarily shortcuts based. Several years ago, I used a couple Apple scripts for some template type stuff on the Mac, But as Omnifocus has evolved and a shortcut support has gotten really good, I now have a handful of shortcuts that I use on iOS for adding template projects into Omnifocus or things like that. And so, You mentioned blog posts. You know, I do publish new information on techphotoguy.com fairly regularly. It happens to be a WordPress powered website, but from a publishing and automation standpoint, that's not that particularly important, I suppose. But when I do publish new information, I, I have kind of a whole checklist of things that I'll go through. And that's another template that I have set up in OmniFocus where as I get an article near completion, I'll create a new OmniFocus project for it that has the set of steps to finish off the article, make sure make sure that I have all the information that I need. It you know reminds me to do things like take a look at that headline and is that headline really a good headline. It reminds me to do things like when I upload it into WordPress to make sure that I add a featured image to the post. It reminds me to do things like... Check a few things that I want to look at from an SEO perspective, right? Have I, you know, assuming I want to have some search engine traffic come to this article, you know, have I optimized the article for that? And then after I press the publish button, you know, or schedule the article to be published, it will remind me to do kind of a variety of promotional type tasks as follow-up. And so actually when I run the shortcut that uses the template project to create this project for the, a particular article... I tell it, when am I going to publish this? And the promotional tasks are, okay, after it goes live, well, okay, I want to go and I want to schedule several tweets about it, right? So I'm fairly active on Twitter, and I probably want to tweet about it at least a couple times on the day that the new article goes live, maybe the next day and maybe the next week, right? Because as we all know, if we use Twitter, when you check in on Twitter, you don't read everything on Twitter, you kind of see what's going by at the moment. And so I want to schedule that. If it's something that makes sense to publish to LinkedIn, I'll want to go publish that to LinkedIn as well. If it's something that being photography related, a lot of times I'll post it on Pinterest and I'm not a heavy Pinterest user myself, but I actually get a fair amount of traffic that comes to the website from people that find photography related things on Pinterest. And so, and so that's something that I'll put out there. It'll have a task that basically says, add this to the list of things you might want to send out to your email list, right? So I have an email list that I run, and I typically email those folks once a week with what's kind of new and interesting in the tech photo world. And if I've published a new blog post, I'll certainly, you know, certainly mention that when I send that email out at the end of the week. So these are all things that, yes, I could just trust myself to probably remember to do manually. (laughs) But I like having the ability to put that stuff into OmniFocus where I, I just kind of know here's where I'm at in the process. And again, I don't, I don't accidentally skip something that maybe I wanted to do.
0: Well, Aaron, this time has been so valuable for me, and I imagine that it has for our listeners as well. I'm curious, do you have any first-time tips for that person that is just kind of dipping their toes into the water with OmniFocus? Maybe they've got Capture going, maybe they've got a projects list going, but they haven't really quite utilized this to its full potential. Where do you point people next?
1: I would say the biggest things... As far as finding success with OmniFocus, you know, and as I've used it over the years and, you know, over the years, my my processes have evolved on how I've used it. You know, right now, and especially with with COVID and so much being done at home now, um, you know, the whole notion of contexts and, you know, where might you be doing something has really kind of gone out the window entirely for me. And that pretty much I'm at home all the time now. So, (laughs) um, you know, I don't ever really have context of like, oh, I should do this while I'm at, you know, a particular location because I'm almost always at one location right now. But other than that, um, as far as concepts and things like that, I would say, Look at how you use dates, <laughs> um, because so much of looking at your task list is is going to be date focused. Whether you're looking at how much can I do today, whether you're looking at what do I have coming up in the coming days or the coming week, um, whether it's you're looking at what is due soon, consider how you want to use dates. And I, you know, I don't necessarily say that the way that I use them is going to be right for everybody, but I would encourage you to look at due dates and don't burden yourself by pretending that things are due when they're not. <laughs> in addition to considering how you use due dates, I would consider how you might use defer dates and using them to really push things off that don't need to be in your mind right now. You know, we all have limited brain capacity for the amount of things we can think about or keep in our heads at any one time. And, you know, there's no sense in having a task sitting in front of you on a task list if you can't do anything about it until next Thursday. There's no sense in having something sitting there on your computer staring you in the face if you can't do anything about it until you're waiting for a response from someone else. And so I would encourage folks to use defer dates to push those things off into the future. And OmniFocus has that capability built in. And as you start, if you look at building custom perspectives, the ability to only show available tasks is really powerful. Probably the final tip I would use for somebody who's really looking at getting into OmniFocus is to just consider the different areas of your life and what you're working on and consider how can you break the things down into projects and tasks that are going to be meaningful when you look at them. Break them down to a level where they're going to be actionable I think one of the areas where people get stuck in productivity is they start building lists of really too big ideas. (laughs) Their task list might say, update website portfolio, or their task might say to network with Chamber of Commerce folks. But instead of saying update website portfolio, realize that, okay, well, that's actually probably a a mini project because first you're going to need to identify What new images do you want to put in that portfolio? Then you need to export those out of wherever you manage your images and make sure that you resize them for your website. And then you need to actually upload them, you know? And so if it says upload website portfolio and you just keep looking at that and you're like, oh yeah, I need to do that. But like, what does that really mean? Right? Oh, I'm logged into my website now. It's like, oh, well, I'm not really to update. I've got to go get those images ready, you know, or if it's a task to, you know, follow up with somebody that you met at an event or to do some networking outreach, include some specifics there so that it's actionable, right? And that's that's one of the things that I think is really powerful is when you craft that name of that task, have it be actionable, right? It should include a verb. It should say something like invoice Bob or reach out to so-and-so about, such and such. Not have it be just kind of this vague concept about something you should do. Have it actually be something that's actionable that when you get to it, when it shows up in your task list, you know, when it shows up on your forecast view or your custom perspective or however you're looking at it, you know, it's something that you know what to do with it when you see it. Because I think otherwise, you know, it shows up and then you have more work to do just to figure out what to do with it. And that's I think that's often a barrier to getting things accomplished, is that people aren't quite sure what to do next, and so they just defer it again because, well, I'll figure that out later.
0: Oh, man. I 100% agree with that. Uh, David Allen had this phrase that I've heard him use before called untangling psychic spaghetti. And it's this (laughs) idea that uh, you have an outcome and it's in your inbox. And then you realize, well, wait a minute, this outcome isn't necessarily exactly my next action. What do I have to do to get to that next action? And you realize that, okay, well, uh, for example, I need to narrate an audio piece or produce an audio piece. Okay, well, my next action isn't really just to go ahead and do it. I actually need to cast another voice. This is more than one voice. Well, I can't really cast another voice until I have an agreement with them signed by DocuSign oh, shoot, well, I can't really have an agreement signed by DocuSign if I don't have a word count uh, so we know how much to budget the project for. And you start tracing three, four, five levels deep until you find out, okay, this is actually a next action for this project. And what I so appreciate about OmniFocus is that you can have as many moving components as you want, sub-projects within a project, until you kind of drill down to what is that next action. And in that way, I feel like it really is bulletproof because you can still be keeping track of those mid-level outcomes that are part of that bigger outcome that you're really looking for.
1: And yeah, being able to nest things in and being able to set things as sequential as opposed to parallel, um, you know, that's great in that, you know, if I have a six step process I need to go through, I don't want to even see steps, you know, three, four, five, and six until I've done steps one and two. And so one of the big powerful things in OmniFocus is really using the tools in OmniFocus to only show me what I should care about right now.
0: Aaron, I do so appreciate you sharing this, like, massive slice of your life with us. Um, Honored to be able to do that. We do want to encourage people to check out your work at techphotoguy.com. Aaron, is there anywhere else that you'd love for people to connect with you at?
1: That's probably the best place you can go there. Um, You can sign up for my email list, which is the best way to kind of keep in touch with everything that I'm doing. If you want to connect with me on social media, uh, I'll point you to Twitter is probably the best place to do that. Uh, On Twitter, I am uh, my first initial and last name. So it's a Hockley, A-H-O-C-K-L-E-Y. And yeah, feel free to say hi. Shoot me a tweet. I'd love to chat with folks.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, I'd actually love to see this conversation continue online. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, hey, to everybody listening, if you enjoy uh, what you hear, we'd love for a review, a rating in iTunes, or if you want to share it with a friend, that would be fantastic. And if you want to keep up with us and what we're up to, check out the Omni Group at omnigroup.com slash blog, or head to at the Omni Show on Twitter.